0: Today's episode of Shootcast is brought to you by Modus Operandi Brewing, based in Vale on Sydney's northern beaches, they're purveyors of fine craft beer. Be sure to check them out online and get your order in. Today on the podcast I'll be joined by Ben McCormack, head coach at Ramick Rugby. Really looking forward to having a chat with Benny about how Ramick are shaping up for this upcoming season. Before we get into the show, it was wonderful to hear the news today that senior Sport will commence from the 1st of July, uh, of the state government's announcement today with the sports minister, Really pleasing to hear that. I know lots of our Shoot Shield uh, teams are really ready to get into some contact training and hopefully a couple of trials before we get underway towards the end of July. So, really promising stuff, and I know everyone's very excited by today's news. So, without further ado, let's get on with today's show. Welcome to Shootcast. Welcome to Episode 7 of Shootcast. Joining me on the line is Ramick Rugby Head Coach, Ben McCormack. Benny, thanks for jumping on. Thanks for having me, man. mate. Mate, uh, some some really promising news out there uh, in the New South Wales uh, government space with regards to community sport getting going on the 1st of July. You must have uh, greeted that news with a, with a bit of a grin and uh, some excitement uh, now building again.
1: Yeah, mate, it's been interesting. Yeah. Um... Just even over the last couple of days, we sort of yesterday uh, and the day before we were hearing potentially getting pushed out, um, and then today we're hearing that um, you know more positive news. So um, I'm not getting my hopes up too much just at this point, but it, it, it's definitely good to be hearing some of the more positive news as opposed to the to the other.
0: Yeah, it's uh, I think everyone's headspace is sort of ebbed and flowed with with how it's going to play out and whether we'd actually see some sport with social distancing requirements, but uh, listen to the announcements today. It looks like you can actually do some live scrums and, and lineouts and contact training, which, which probably gives you uh, gives you a lot of faith uh, heading into uh, July that we, we're going to get underway. And how was the, the season sort of shaping up for Randwick, um pre the, pre the pandemic and, and how are you how you're looking now? Berger, I was
1: pretty happy uh, leading into the season. We um we don't obviously only, we'd gone through our pre-season and then only had one trial uh, against the, the Mighty Marlins um, at Ramwick and um, whilst I think both sides were probably, um, you know, the game probably showed it was raining and the game probably showed it was the first hit out for both sides. I, I was reasonably happy that a lot of the things that we have been working on during the pre-season were evident, I thought. Um, in that first sit-out, uh, whilst there was a few errors and um, things like that, I, I, I was pretty happy. Mate. And I, I was uh, looking forward to getting stuck into it, actually. I, th- I thought the boards had worked well and we were gelling quite well, and uh, I was looking forward to getting into it. Um, so it was a bit of a shame to put a, to a halt to it, particularly so quickly. Um, but uh, coming back into it now, I don't think we've lost anything um, significant. Um, we haven't lost uh, too many players at this stage. It doesn't look like we've lost too many players. Um, I think the way we, the club as a whole handled um, the COVID-19 situation was really commendable. I don't think we strung the players along too, too much. We didn't get their hopes up um, and we didn't overdo it.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I was pretty keen. Um, I sort of had a good... Um, Indication and understanding uh, through work that you know this was uh, going to be a pretty significant um, event. Um, so I wasn't keen to to continue training straight away. I was pretty keen to just let the boys um, get their life under control. A lot of people started. Um, you know, their jobs are in question and their incomes and things like that. And mm. I think it was important to let the boys get that under control and get an understanding of how it was going to affect them, um, rather than continuing to try and get them training. So we, we had a pretty good break. Um I stayed in contact um and most of our coaches stayed in contact progressively with the boys over that time but but also didn't uh didn't overdo it. Um and made now I think um, off the back of that, our boys are keen and ready to go. We only we only touched uh, the ground, um, the grass or the fake grass at um, <laughs> at Latham uh, last week, and the boys are full of energy and ready to go. So um, whilst they were training a little bit, um, you know, on their own, and we sort of monitored that with a with a fair group um, in terms of their running and their lifting loads. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't heavy and there wasn't a lot of heavy contact hours or not a lot of contact um, or micromanaging from me. So I think all the boys are pretty keen and, and so am I, mate. A bit, bit of uh, renewed energy and we're ready to go.
0: Yeah, in many ways it's been an enormous sort of six-month period for Randwick, um, obviously with the passing of, of Jeff Sale and, um, you know, you've announced a new president and new coach. So there must be a, a feeling of a bit of a new era for the club
1: yeah, I think so, mate. I think um, you know, as you said, new president, new coach, new club coach, new general manager. Mm. Um, the, you know, that's a fair change. Um, and and the passing of Jeffrey, um, that stopped the club. Um, I think it stopped the whole uh, local community. To be honest, um, mm. and, and that was a, a significant significant moment period. Um, we've come through that I think the club did extremely well through that and um, uh, there's a lot of exciting things in front of us um, yep. obviously you know with with new people and um, particularly with the with a number of new people we've uh, there's that storming process that we'll go through and we're mm. you know just building our cohesion as a group um, obviously that stalled a little bit with um, with a few of the things that have happened post-season last year and pre-season this year, but I, th- I think that's given us time to, to get to know each other. And um, I'm confident that the uh, the three boys I, I'm working with uh, pretty directly uh, will, will form a really good team and, and do some good things.
0: Yeah, well, we'll touch on some of your experience in, in rugby because it's, it's quite vast even at a young age and, and obviously understand how uh, lots of big clubs operate and, and how you know, high-performance teams work. So uh, it's good to hear that, that things are in, in good order and Rambick heading into the season. Just looking at your team um, coming into to 2020, obviously you would had a couple of years now uh, just dipped out of the finals in eighth spot in 2018 and 2019. Were you starting to build a bit more of a nucleus up, to, uh, up into the first grade sort of space? Obviously um, you had a very good cult system. Are you starting to see some of the fruits of that labour uh, come to fruition at, at sort of first grade level?
1: Oh, I think definitely, mate. Um, having a really strong cult uh, set up and system um, is pivotal to any any sustainable success, I think. Um, mm. and, and that's something that the club's put a lot of time and effort into over the last couple of years. Um, and, and I think um, that's probably showed uh, patches. Um, at a first grade level, um, mm-hmm. but I think in the next in the next couple of years we'll really start to. We've sort of honed honed a few of our little procedures and a few of our talent ID things, and we'll yep. we'll start to see the benefit of that over the uh, over the next couple of years. But definitely, I think you saw our premiership uh, cult side a couple of years ago, and yep. and they whilst whilst young and probably a little bit undersized and under experienced got a really good um, uh, taste of first grade over the last couple of years, but I, I think some of those players are really going to come into their own um, over the next year or so. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that for sure. And you know, the benefit of that cults program is is you keep getting good players year after year that continue to pressure that group, um, which I think is also a good thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that that Ramek program's been strong for a long time, and I guess the uh, rest of the competition sort of just uh, has been waiting, maybe for it to kick on, maybe sooner sooner than now. But it's it seemingly there are a lot more more coming through. And have you made sort of adjustments to how you treat sort of those players that are obviously coming in from high reputation at schoolboy level into the sort of first grade? And some of them obviously you miss because they just go straight into potentially Super Rugby or, or European considerations. But has there been an adjustment for the club on on retaining? more of those players into the grade system because conversion maybe hasn't been quite as optimal. Would you say what are your observations there?
1: Yeah, co- conversion's definitely been um, a, a topic that's been spoken about a number of times, um, re- particularly recently uh, since I've been at the club. Um, you know, h- how many cults um, do we actually retain year on year and, and how many go on to play a number of year in our grade system? Um, but not only that, but what type of player are we recruiting into that Colts system? So uh, are we recruiting Colts players to win a Colts premiership or are we recruiting rugby players that have the potential to be first-grade players in, in time? Um, yeah. and, and that's probably a key a small tweak that we've um, spoken about and, and made over the last 12 months. Um, is to make sure that yes success at a, at a cult level is a priority um but it it probably should be a, a byproduct um, of really careful talent ID looking towards a, a first grade and and men's representative players rather than uh, underage players, if you know what
0: I mean. Absolutely. Oh, it's good to hear that's sort of um, well underway. And obviously we're already seeing some kids like, you know, young Will Harrison who's already had a taste of super rugby. And hopefully if he's not, you know, actively involved in that Waratahs match day squad, he's getting out there for first grade. You obviously see um, the more first grade football some of these kids get, that the, you know, the much better development it is for them in their rugby career.
1: Yeah, mate. And, and I think that's um, – you know, it changes every uh, every year, and it and it's very situational. Um, you know, where the Tars are with their depth, um, mm-hmm. the depth of their squad. Um, in in other years, I think uh, Will and and um, Ben Donaldson and um, some of our Waratahs boys might have enjoyed um, learning their craft a little bit more in, in a first grade setup before they were thrown into. Um, the deep end a little bit, but but yeah. they're they're also not going to turn down that opportunity. That's what they're there to do. So they're going to grab it with two hands if the opportunity presents itself. And yeah. and uh, obviously for somebody like Will, that's happened. And and I thought he's been super impressive for for such a young guy um, in his debut season. Um, I just hope you know he can continue to build on that and um, and and some of those younger guys that are coming through that are a part of the EDS or the Waratahs Academy, you know, ideally I, I, think for their development, it's it's best that they get to come and play some shoot shield before they get um, put on that main stage and get to make some errors and get to learn some some lessons before they're put under the scrutiny of um, of, of Super Rugby. I think that's that's the most beneficial thing for them. So hopefully, a lot of them get to experience that.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? It's uh, You, you want to uh, obviously see these kids go as, as, as well as they possibly can, but it seems to come at such speed, just such is the nature of contracting and, and things like that. These kids maybe get into these environments where they maybe haven't earned their stripes, not through their own fault, but through the fault of a system. And I guess maybe that's you, – you understand why sometimes maybe the, the, the k- rugby community sort of gets irked by the pathway, kids get advanced a bit quicker than what they should have, but even though they're – clearly going to be great players. I just want to see them earn the stripes a little bit more. Uh, it's, and, it's, mate, a, it's a constant mate. battle, isn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the most important thing to remember, though, that it, it's not the players' fault. No. Um, and, and, mate, sometimes, you know, you see on social media and um, and in the mainstream media, players copping a, a, a bashing for a poor performance um, yeah. when they're just young kids. Um, and it's not their fault that they've been picked into a super rugby side before they're ready. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's important to remember that. I think, you know, they're only kids and, and a lot of them, um, and, and they should be afforded a little bit of leeway there.
0: Yeah, I totally agree, mate. It's um, certainly not by choice. It's just the nature of the system. But taking a step back, and um, obviously you've been involved in the Shoot Shield now for a couple of seasons, but... I want to go further back? You're you're a Queenslander. Tell us a little bit about about your background, and I know you're you're, you're a player um, back at your high school when you sort of got into rugby and sort of went from there, didn't it? Uh,
1: when I was a kid, I grew up in Papua New Guinea. Uh, my mum and dad were uh, my dad worked up there for about ten or fifteen years, and so when I was That's a young kid, I grew up there. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different, mate. Um, yeah. I thought it, it, it was great though. Um, just a completely different cultural yeah. experience and. I've sure. still got some great memories from up there, um and some and some good friends um from up there that sort of went to went to um preschool and primary school with. Um so that was that was good and then we sort of moved back to Australia when my uh older sisters were were going into high school, um because the education system over there is obviously um not the best. So we, we came mm-hmm. home and then I spent um Spent my time in Brisbane um, or in sort of country New South Wales, which is where my my dad's family's is from. Um, yeah. So I was either at school or on the most holidays I was back on the farm working for uh, working for family, which is I, I really enjoyed my my upbringing, um, and, and so I, I was very lucky in that sense. Um, my footy came to me. Uh, uh, rugby league was the sport in in Papua New Guinea. Um, mm their rugby league mad up there. So I sort of knew the kangaroos and, um, dad had played a little bit of rugby union, a little bit of rugby league. He'd sort of been a bit of both and, uh, he never really forced, uh, too much on me. But, um, when I sort of got to, I think year, year five, um, year five or year six, all of my friends were playing rugby. So I, uh, I'm pretty social sort of a bloke. So I just yeah. followed them in, um, and played played footy uh, just for the fun of it for uh, for a couple of years. I never really got too competitive until um, I was probably fourteen or fifteen. I started to get a little bit more competitive, and then uh, super competitive after that. Um, yep. So lucky enough to play some some decent level school footy and first couple of years out of school, but um, yeah, it was mainly my mates that led me into it.
0: Yeah, you were at uh, Gregory Terrace um, in uh, Brisbane, correct?
1: Yeah, yeah. So uh, um, Gregory Terrace was sort of where probably um, a lot of my opportunities were afforded to me. It's uh, uh, I'm not sure if you, you're familiar with the um, school system up there, but it's it's one of the GPS schools up there. It's in town. Um, made fantastic school, fantastic facilities. Um you know, I think I think um you can play uh, any sport under the sun, learn any language under the sun, play any instrument you want to. Um yeah. you know, there's just the opportunities are endless. Um, yeah. you know, kids who are into any any sort of um avenue or walk of life they can they can find it and exploit it at at those schools. So I was really lucky and sport was my thing, so I played pretty much everything. Um but footy, as, as I sort of got a little bit older, footy sort of started to take over more, grade 11 and grade 12. And then we were, I was lucky enough to um, to captain our uh, premiership side in year 12, which really ticked me into wanting to do something with my footy, I suppose. Um, mm. You know, the, the passion, and it's the same with the, uh, with the private school system down here. The passion that goes into those rugby uh, seasons at, at that schoolboy level is – is next level, um, and that really sucked
0: me in. Yeah, there's been a couple of uh, interesting documentaries on the GPS rugby scene up there. It's has uh, been has been good to see good good passion for the game. And you you were heading along, uh, you know, really strongly as a player. But um, like so many of uh, the coaches I've interviewed, you, you you came across a pretty significant injury which derailed things on the rugby field.
1: Yeah, so mate, I, I probably didn't have. A, I was pretty lucky. I didn't have an injury until I was. I reckon I was about nineteen. Um, yeah. I I played every game I think um, there was available. a sort of a few niggles here and there, but I nothing ever significant. And then once I hit sort of nineteen twenty, I, I got every injury you could probably um,
0: you yeah. could count. I
1: was I did something most weeks. I was um, I was in and out uh, over those next couple of seasons, or whatever it might have been. I, I, Slipped discs in my back, bad hamstrings, um, you know, broken broken bones, um, mm-hmm. and then the final straw for me was I'd sort of I'd um, broken my ankle uh, in a previous season and, and and spent a good period of time um, rehabbing from that, and I, I decided to come back. Two thousand eleven, I came back, um, only put had a half decent preseason and. Put a couple mm. of uh, good games together, and then broke my leg and dislocated my ankle um, on my other leg. Um, so, mate, that was another. I think in the end, I was nine months on on, on crutches or um, laid up, and it does some it does some funny things to your brain when you incapacitated for that long. Um, I'm sure. Was a, yeah. Went through some um, some pretty dark days there, and. Um, was a bit off the world for a little while, and um, so when I sort of came back, the surgeon had said to me, mate, it's not a matter of uh, if I see you again, it's when I see you again. Um, Mm. Every time you come across the surgery table, it increases your risk of coming back, and I'd I'd, uh, put a couple of his kids through school at that stage, so I figured enough (laughs) is enough. Um, And that was it, so I was into coaching after that.
0: Yeah, you, you certainly turned your, your passion into coaching and picked up where things sort of uh, left off back at school. Um, you ended up coaching um, back at Gregory Terrace and then you went into the, the, the Queensland system with plenty of roles and, you know, director of rugby positions at uh, at uh, Brothers. Um, you Obviously, Brothers is one of the more prominent clubs in the country. Have some fond recollections of your time there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um... My brothers is a uh, will always hold a, a, a special place in in, in my heart. Um, it's a fantastic club. Uh, yeah. It changed a lot over the time that I was there. Um, it, it was a bit of a boys' club, I think, when I first initially got there, um, and had been without success for a little while. Um, mm. And then throughout the sort of the time I was there. Um, we got some success on the field um, in terms of first grade premiership or first grade success. Um, yeah. Sort of took them back to the, to competing at the uh, the top four most years, if not every year. Um, yeah. And then we started to make some some good inroads off the field as well, just with some systems and processes and how the club ran. And um, you know, we, we made some good ground in that space. And I think if you look at what what brothers is doing now. It's, you know they're one of the leaders, um, I would think, in, in club footy in Australia. Um, just with just with how they handle being a community club and um, a shared facility and and how they run their business and the passion that they have in the program, the quality of program they run, um, the amount of players they they turn in and out every week. Um, you know that they, they've got a, a definitely a good setup up there.
0: Yeah, they're uh, they're an amazing club and I, I know a lot of people that obviously have obviously been involved in uh, any sort of rugby club of a higher level. We always look at checking in what some of the better clubs do and Brothers have been a great case study f- for all of us and what they've achieved over sort of the last, uh, you know, decade or so. And uh, just in terms of obviously Queensland club, you know, then you, you've sort of uh, had experience in Sydney. It's obviously some subtle differences. I know... Queensland clubs generally more uh, have, have better access to, to better facilities, obviously not as much urban density. And I know Brothers also got their juniors involved in the club. Are those some, some of the more subtle sort of differences?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think um, probably uh, the facilities is definitely one thing. I, I, yeah. I'm not sure necessarily. Obviously, there's some clubs down here that have some fantastic facilities, um, mm. uh, but probably not across the board. Um, yeah. Whereas up there most clubs um, have a good facility. Um and, and I think just the difference, um, you know, down here we have super Saturdays, but every other week your your cults are playing away. Um, yeah. or your cults and grades are split. Um whereas every week up there is is a full club week. Um and that that allows them to create a more of a one club sort of culture, I think. Um, which which is um a lot of clubs down here and around included. We we definitely have a one club focus, um, but it's it's significantly harder when you don't get to celebrate the on field um, yeah. w- with your cults players and, and vice versa, uh, yeah. and al- also to have those cults players be able to sit around and and play every week in week out play you might come off the bench in fourth grade or third grade, or you know some of your better cults players might come off the bench in second or first grade. Um, the, our inability to do that down here consistently sort of, you know, is is a small hurdle there um, and probably one of the subtle differences, I
0: think. Probably goes um, back to some of the difficulties you're talking about, conversion, you know. I mean, if you've got so much synergy throughout the season, it's just inevitable that kids are going to kick on, obviously, because they're already part of that one organisation. I'm sure you've got a much higher success rate up in exactly Queensland.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. The, the on-field yeah. differences, though, I think, um, you know, there's always the argument. Who, who, what competition's um, better, everyone in Sydney believes um, Sydney's better and everyone in Brisbane thinks they're better. Um, yeah. But, um, mate, I think the Sydney competition definitely runs a lot deeper. Um, yeah. You know, up in, up in Brisbane, you know, I was involved in, in the first grade set up for the last two or three years before I came down here, and or um, well, three or four years. And, and uh, in Brisbane, you're sort of fighting. M- most years, you're fighting between five teams for the top four. Um, some years you might fight between six um, down here you've got eight or nine really competitive teams most years um, yeah. and, and just run a lot deeper um, also i think um, on field wise the type fives are significantly different in in terms of the the quality and depth of type 5 players um, mm. i think in in the brisbane comp you still see a lot of a lot of back rowers getting around in the second row and
0: yeah. a lot of
1: hundred kilo front rowers and 100 kilo second rowers and you just don't see that down here as much um, I think you know the type 5 depth and qualities probably where where Sydney really um, has the wood on them
0: yeah, absolutely. So you had some some amazing years there at Brothers. Must be highlighted by uh the year in twenty sixteen when you had five premierships while you were at director of rugby so that must have been a a big year and then you found your way down to Sydney and uh you found your way up to uh Pittwater Rugby Park. How was your time up at the Rats with uh Darren Coleman?
1: Um, mate, I loved my time with uh with D C and the Rats. The um obviously um yeah, winning the winning the comp up in Brisbane, um, in twenty sixteen was a, it was a uh, big coup and big big feather in my cap. Um, yeah, I'd come through the cult system and, um, you know, put a lot of systems and processes in place, um, with the cult footy, and then after a couple of years in the cult system, came through to the first grade setup and yep. and uh, and then was lucky enough to, to win that, and I, I I felt a real sense of accomplishment then. Um, yeah and and was looking for another challenge. So it was it was uh, I, I love Australia and I didn't really want to move overseas, which is probably the natural progression once you you're at first grade and, and are a aspiring coach, a lot of people go overseas whereas I, I wanted to stay in Australia and, and keep pushing um to get better. So I thought I moved to Sydney was good. Um yeah. caught up with DC. DC's um as you well know um he's a uh He's a very charismatic bloke. Um, he's extremely good. Um, he's an extremely good recruiter, um, and he, he definitely did a number of, on me. Um, he uh, we met down at X X seventy two down there at Coogee, and he sold the world to me about how good how good the Northern Beaches were. I thought I was going to Disneyland um, <laughs> when I got down here. It was um, but it, 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 to be fair to him, it, it wasn't too far off that. Um, yeah, the playing group was fantastic. I loved uh, I loved my time there and and working with DC. Whilst um, we challenged each other regularly, um, and we still do, uh, we have a fantastic rapport off the field and we're great mates and. We catch up for biz, um, you know, most every weekend now, and um, talk footy regularly, and, and we've got a great relationship. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't change um, that experience for anything.
0: Yeah, you were certainly a Ringer during a, a really strong strong period, and still sort of sort of going through that period. Uh, your reflection on Ringer as a club obviously had a, a massive um, community following, and you in, enjoy your time coaching Northern Beaches and some of your experiences at the, the local derby. It's, it's a it's a strong rugby scene, isn't
1: it? Oh, it's amazing. Um, there was, there, it was definitely not uh, without challenges. Like i I've sort of changed, I, I completely changed the, um Defensive system and, and a few of the little ins and outs and um, uh, probably thought processes around contact and when when you try and do things like that they they don't come too easily um, particularly if you've got a really strong playing group an experienced playing group um, so so that that had its challenges but I, I found. Um, when the boys understand um, or, or get an understanding of how passionate you are, and the fact that um, you actually know what you're talking about, once once they get a level of trust there, um, and that you want to win, um, th- those boys accepted me pretty quickly, and and uh, I thought for a um, for a team with some significant changes there uh, over the year, we we did a fantastic job, I thought. And, that that playing group, yeah, I, you know, I can't speak highly enough of them, uh, um, the individuals and the collective up there. And the, I think the attitude towards rugby, and I think my most memorable day up there was probably the derby against Manly at Manly, um, which we ended up losing, um, which we were filthy about. But just just the experience from start to finish was just something probably that I'd never and and I've gone some gone through some really passionate um passionate rugby grounds and and passionate crowds and but just the whole setup like you know we walk over the back there to warm up and you have got manly fans walking through your warm up you you, <laughs> you you're warming up in amongst um the crowd and they're just hurling abuse at you and uh, you know you, you, there's so many distractions and so much going on and there's so much passion and and energy in that day. it was something really unique um you know and there there's there's definitely clubs um and setups that have that in in different atmospheres i think um yeah. you know up, up at jeeps in brisbane they have a, a what they call the glue factory and they they sort of rope off an area where everyone just goes feral and and you can hear the abuse coming from all parts of the field, but they're only in one section. Whereas, yeah. you know, when we're out there that day at Manly, they they are everywhere, and they're on top of you, and there's no respite from it. And that was just, you know, that was great. I, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed that, and that derby, and then the return match of that derby was just as good. And uh, we managed to get the wood on you. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, my time up there was fantastic.
0: Yeah, they are great days. I've got to apologize about that warm-up area. It's an absolute joke on <laughs> uh, on big on big days. Uh, well I will say it's a ringer's credit. They never complain about it. I think they realise that they're accustomed to it. We have had other complaints though on big days. <laughs> and I, I think we're gonna have to have to bring forward second grade a little earlier now to allow an adequate warm-up area for, for visiting
1: teams. But as you say I it's thought, all, part I thought it was all part of the plan.
0: Well, it's all part of the experience. Nothing better than, you know, a little bit of you know, beer spilling on you while you're trying to do a warm up, and <laughs> copping the barrage from a couple of kids. It's it's all good, but um, you also had some um, NRC experience with the Eagles, um, and obviously working in with uh, Rob Taylor, obviously formerly Sydney Uni. Now, um, what are your views? You've probably got a couple of good viewpoints on NRC, especially from a Queensland perspective, and now New South Wales um, on that on that level of competition.
1: Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, my first year I got to work with, um, with Paulie and, and Darren and, and Blady, and, um, that was, that was great. That was probably the, um, but that was probably the end of when the Eagles ran themselves. Um, so I only just got the back end of that and, and just a small taste of that. Um, and then it was, uh, significantly different this year with, with, uh, New South Wales rugby taking back over the Eagles, um. Uh, and then Rob and I took that on, um, but uh, and Rob and DC are, are, are very different coaches as well. Um, mm. But I really enjoyed that that experience and 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 being able to put the brain pump on on both of those blokes and um, and see how they go about things and. And Rob's uh, Rob's a fantastic coach in his own right, and he's Ryan, obviously he's done a fantastic job with with Uni, and and that's been rewarded with his, with this opportunity he's got now at Leicester. Um, you know that's that's cut to him. He's done a great job there. But the Eagles as a whole, I think, you know, there's something special about that that side and who they play for and the Eagles brand. Um, and and I'd love to see that continue. I think Country New South Wales. Um, deserves to have a spot um, and, and their name out there in, in that regard um, but in terms of the NFC I think obviously made it easy to um, to stand on the outside and, and throw stones but um, mm-hmm. I think I think we, we probably um, probably just didn't put enough importance on it at the um, at the very beginning I think it's yeah. uh, it's it's still a little bit of an afterthought um, and, and you, you can see that, um, when you get in there and, um, you can see that in the attitudes of, of, um, probably some of the, the representative players and you can, and, and, and again, I don't think that's their fault. Um, no. The, it's, it's hard for them. They've come out of, um, being a representative footballer these days, you know, I think it's very different, um, to what it used to be. Like, you know, the way that some coaches control um, their style of play, the way that they run their teams it can all be, you know, very, very different. So you can come out of, um, you know, we had boys there that had learnt a Wallaby style of play, had learned a, um, a Waratah style of play, had then gone back and learnt a club style of play and then were hoping to make a Wallaby squad to go to a World Cup and then, you know, learn quickly that they're not going to do that, and they've got to learn a whole new style of play to, to play for the Eagles, and mm. they're constantly having to to change their goals and, um, change, you know, level their expectations, and um, you know, and that presents a challenge. But but I do I do think as a whole we could have put probably put some more importance on it from the very beginning, um, and the messaging around how important that is, that uh, that level of rugby is.
0: Yeah, I take some sort of views and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, what's, what's the sentiment towards NRC like in Queensland comparison to New South Wales? Is it different? I, I just feel looking at it, a lot of Queensland seems to be um, preparing or readying more players of a higher level. On mass than what sort of New South Wales does for one reason or another. I just seems like I don't know if there's better alignment with their Super Rugby team, um, but I, I, I just feel like you know um, we may be a little bit behind the eight ball when it comes to the NRC and maybe that player development piece.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't disagree. I don't think uh, I think the the Reds definitely saw the opportunity that they had for their younger players um, yeah. to get a higher level. Of quality experience through the NRC Um, and and I think you could see um, the level of importance that they put on it and the fact that um, it was no secret that Brad wanted to win the NRC every year Um, and uh, that was shown through um, the players that were made available, the messaging from Top down as to the importance of it, the accountability of the players who were exposed to it. Um, I think there's definitely a drive there um, from the top. You know, I I spoke to a number of um, the Queensland staff and and players um, throughout the NRC um, over the over the two years that I was involved, and and Brad was definitely a um, a key figure in amongst that. Talking, talking to people, driving people, questioning performances—you um, know—and and that rubs off on everybody when they when they understand um, the importance of it and and where it sits in the um, where it sits in the scheme of things. Um, I think that rubs off on the attitude of everybody. Not to say that that didn't happen in the Waratahs, but I probably just didn't see. Um, I probably just didn't. Enough of that, if you know what I mean.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I think it's. I you, know, you can clearly sort of see it. I mean, even just as the, the neutral sort of um, spectator, without being on the inside, you can just just seem to see. It. it just seems to be that more level of connectedness when it comes to the NRC. But as you say, it's it's clearly being driven by the, uh, the state coach, um, which which is interesting. So you've you've come through sort of those levels, of experiences, and, and ended up at at Randwick rugby club um, you obviously joined the club as um, club coach 2019 now appointed head coach for 2020 it's uh ramwick historically uh one of the most famous rugby clubs in in, in existence in the world i mean uh, you only have to look at their illustrious history it must give you a real sense of pride to be uh, uh, chief and commander of, of ramwick
1: oh mate it's an absolute privilege um you know it's, it's ramwick's a a global brand everybody who who knows rugby in the, in the world knows ramwick rugby club and um to be given the opportunity and and afforded the opportunity with the um with the people uh, that are involved in the club and 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 um you know the yeah the the uh the expectation um that comes with it but also made there's um you know there would have been a million people um, happy to stick their hand up for the job so um, uh, you know I'm really thankful that they they saw um, some qualities in me and have afforded me the opportunity and I'm definitely definitely keen not to not to let them down and uh, I'm pretty confident um, with a little bit of uh, a little bit of time and um, continuity we're, we're going to get them to where they want to be
0: yeah, absolutely, mate. Well, they, um, you know, they're no as a rugby organisation. They've obviously seen the credentials and, and potential in yourself. Just on that point about expectation, this isn't exclusive to you. It's exclusive to anyone that's sort of been a coach. Given, you know, the success that Ramix had, you know, they're 32 first-grade premierships, they produced 93 Wallabies. Uh, you know, you've got names like the Ellers, Campisi, Dwyer, Gregan, Poitevin, Catchpole, Shahidi just goes on and on and on. Um, you know and they've had teams that have been in the amateur era pretty much the backbone of, of world cup wins that 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 level of success is quite frightening for any sort of community sporting organization do you think Ramik, maybe in the in the modern era with you know prof- since professionalism and obviously losing so many players maybe into the professional game they've you obviously struggled to, to maintain that level of success. I mean, anyone would, right? I mean, is, is it a case of rammick trying to find a new identity or just respecting the, the previous identity but realising that's a bygone era somewhat?
1: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of that, mate. Um, it's definitely um, so important for our current group to understand um, and uh, have a good appreciation for the history, um, yeah. but also not to get lost in that. Um, yeah, I think one thing that um, one thing that uh, grabbed me when I when I first came to Ramwick, I always like to to make sure um, I, I do my homework and I, I have a really good understanding of of what's been there and what the, the current status quo is. Um, you know, I, I've only ever been to three footy clubs in my life um, since I, since I left school, so I haven't done it a lot. But you know the the history of a club is, is something really special and, and and anyone coming into the club needs to understand that, I think. Um, but also um, with Randwick's history, as you sort of pointed out, it's really easy to then get lost in that um, yeah. because there are just so many great players and great coaches and, um, that that have come through that system, um, mm. so it's it's easy to get lost in, and it's easy to get lost in the expectation and the uh, the fanfare around that. I think um, the key thing for our playing group and and, and our group, um, it's it's not just a playing group, it's a staffing group as well. Is is to keep in the front of our mind of how we want to leave the place. Um, so what our legacy is going to be. Um, the people always talk about the um, the Ramwick style um, and, you know, that that first six months that I was at Ramwick, I think I heard, um, all from Ramwick people, I think I heard about 487 versions of what the Ramwick style is. Um, yeah. E- everybody has their own tweak to it and their own, you know, um, mm. there's some rusted on Ramwick uh, people yeah. who, you know, tell me that Ramwick players don't kick, they shouldn't kick, others that tell you they do kick, others that – yeah, but I, I think after I sort of was in um, experienced that, and, and I actually took some time to to meet um, with some of the key figures there in uh, in Porto and Bob and um, a, a few of the other fellows um, to get an understanding of, of what they felt the Rameck style was. Um, yeah, and, and my interpretation of that is was more um, Rameck style. I think is more just more in the spirit in which they play the game um i don't think you can pinpoint a technique or a um, you know a shape of rugby or a um uh i think it's more the spirit in which they play um Mm. you know they always have that attacking mindset traditionally they're always attacking uh, or looking to attack from anywhere on the field they always have unending support to the ball carrier um you know, they're confrontational. Uh, their forwards are confrontational. Their backs, you know, have imagination and um, and use the, use the football. And I think that's, for me, that's what I'm going to grab onto and, and make sure that I take forward um, in what I'm doing at the club. Um, mm. And and that's the way I like to play my footy anyway. So um, that it, sh- it shouldn't be too much of a change for me. I'm actually really looking forward to to um, being at the helm and, and and allowing my players some freedom and, and allowing them to play the game that way.
0: All right, Benny, the Fast Five. Favourite grounder player in the Shoot Shield? Oh, Kujoval. Favourite sports person of all time? Oh, Muhammad Ali. Favourite place in Sydney? Ooh, Gordons Bay. What are you watching on Netflix right now? I'm actually watching Billions on Stan. Who are Ramwick beating in the 2020 Shoot Shield Grand Final?
1: I'd love to beat. um, I've got some really good mates that that coach around the place. Um, I'd love to beat any of them. um, But uh, I'd love for Rivo to get the Rats to the Grand Final again. And I'd
0: love to vlog them. I like it, but I don't like Rinker making the grand final again, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Benny, you're a legend, mate. Thanks for spending time. All right. No worries. Thanks, mate.